Hi and welcome to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm your host Renee Bennett and this is a leadership podcast for ordinary girls compelled to lead an extraordinary life. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. Happy Wednesday, everyone. I'm so glad you could join me today. I hope that you've gone and checked out my Monday episode, my parenthood episode, where I spoke about the importance of first time obedience. Literally, it will change your parenting. So make sure you go back, check that out. But today is our focus on all things leadership. So I wanted to talk very candidly today about our relationships with our mothers because it literally forms who we become as adults. Now, we all have this in common. So every single person here listening has a mother, even if our mother's passed away or we're not in relationship with her. And this relationship affects us so deeply. So whether they're absent or present, their effect on us is like no other. So not only does it affect who we become as adults, it affects how we parent. And for those of us who are leaders in any area, it really does affect how we lead, but it also sets up the way that we relate to everyone else in our lives. So our relational patterns are set, not fully, but to a really great degree by the patterns that we were taught, whether directly or indirectly by our mothers. And not only does that have an effect on all of those things, but for those of us who do have a complicated relationship with our mother, we still have to try and work out how to navigate that now in real time in our adult life. And that can come with a lot of uh, interesting feelings. And I wanted to unpack this over the next two episodes. So today I want to unpack um, a book that I have read uh, a long time ago, which really helped me, which looks at six different types of mothers. And then next week, I want to look at how we can navigate this relationship in a more kind of practical sense. So uh, this book, and I'll tell you about it in a minute, but it actually says a very interesting thing. And I quote here directly from the book. Did you know, where is it? There it is. Did you know that every six seconds, another adult alternates between resentment, anger, guilt, fear, and confusion about ongoing interactions with a mother? So I want to speak from my heart on this topic because it's something that's been a real uh, issue for me in my life as well. But I also, as I'm sure you can understand, I want to be honoring. But just to give you a bit of background, when I was really little, as you know, if you've listened to my podcast, um, my earlier episodes, when I was three years old, my dad left. And then when I was five, he moved into state. So my mum didn't cope very well with that at all. Um, now that's her story to tell, but I can tell you my part of the story. So I didn't realize it at the time, but she suffered several nervous breakdowns after that. And she was also hospitalized for various health reasons. Now, I didn't understand that at the time because I was so young, but my sister and I were often left in the care of friends from church or aunties and uncles. So with my dad gone and my mum emotionally on the edge, I found myself very um, insecure and scared a lot of the time. Now, my mum was really wonderful when I was younger. She raised us, my sister and I, to be really good girls. She raised us um, to go to church. She did devotions with us every night. She prayed with us. Um, she 
raised us to have really good manners. She stayed home to look after us. She was amazing. Um, But then mixed in there, there was also a lot of fear that came from her. So I remember when it would storm and we had a double story house and we lived in a suburb with a lot of gum trees, like big trees around us. But when it would storm, we'd be woken up in the middle of the night and um, we would all have to go downstairs under the staircase in case a gum tree fell on our house. And it would kind of be fun and we'd have torches and snacks, but it also put you know, a lot of kind of fear in me. There are a lot of incidences like that growing up. And that's probably partly because we were just by ourselves um, without a man in the house, but also because my mum had a lot of fear and that was kind of, um, I guess, outworked through different instances that kind of passed that on to me. There were boyfriends who came and went out of our lives. And I remember I, not my life, her life. (laughs) And I remember I really hated that. Um, Then when I was 13, my mum remarried and suddenly I had a new stepdad and a stepbrother and a stepsister. And the next 12 years after that were pretty much hell on earth. We left several times. Um, When we did, I remember I was 14, I think, the first time that we left, um, which was three years after. No, it wasn't even three years, maybe two years after they got married. Um, My mum took my sister and I and we stayed in the granny flat of this really grumpy lady. I remember she was horrible and her house smelt like old lady smell. And I had to share a bed with my mum and it was always cold in there and it was damp and depressing. And I, I absolutely hated it. I remember the feeling to this day. Now there's, like I said, a lot that I don't want to say because it's not my story, but if I could sum up my childhood, I would say that I felt like I was more of the parent. I was the emotional support instead of the child. Now, as I grew up, I became fiercely independent. So I went to uni and I made sure I set set myself up with a great future and a career. I worked as as soon as I could get part-time work when I was younger, I did. I saved hard. I bought myself a car and my lifeline was definitely my church. They were my family. And I was there every single second that I could be there, especially as things were becoming more and more volatile at home. So it's funny how people can see me as a strong person and a strong leader and someone who has a really great life. But to be honest, that has actually been a fight to get there. Um, in my in my childhood, my teenage and, and my early 20 kind of years. I remember a couple of years ago, I went and preached at a church in Adelaide and there was actually a couple there who are now in their late 60s and they used to go to the same church as me when I was a kid. I was raised in this beautiful uniting church and they were a couple who were also raising their family at the same time. So we're talking now like 35 years later and they knew my whole family situation and they came up to me after I'd finished preaching and the husband said to me that God had spoken to him and that my life had gone down a road it was never meant to go down, but I had fought every inch to make my way back and God was so proud of me and because of that, I've learned to be an overcomer and nothing's going to be able to defeat me. And I was so moved by that, not so much because it was really encouraging, which it was, but I think because I felt like someone saw and acknowledged my journey. And that really mattered to me because when you go through something like I did, you can feel a bit alone in that. And 
um, to have fought my way back and to be living such a great life now, that took a lot of decisions day by day, month by month, year by year on my part. And I guess just to hear God say, Hey, I saw it. I was with you, but you know, and well done. That just really mattered to me to know that someone saw it. So in my teenage years, our step family situation was really terrible. So there was a lot of fighting. Um, my stepdad would threaten to kill himself in front of us. Um, I don't want to give details, but they all the pastors at our church knew what was going on. And I remember one of them one day came to our house and he said to my sister and I, if I had the money, I would pay f- to put you girls up in your own apartment so you don't have to live here. And I think that was the point that I realized how bad my situation was. And I would have been maybe 14 at that stage. And I was so embarrassed. I loved God with my whole heart. And like I said, my lifeline was spending time in my room, well, spending time at church with my church family, but also being in my room, worshiping, reading the Bible, praying every day. Um, And even though my stepsister moved out pretty quickly, then my stepbrother and then my sister got married, I felt that God wanted me to stay at home because I was learning things and lessons that one day I would use to help other people. And of course, how right God was because hello, he's God. Um, But what I want to do today is focus on how you can navigate, well, first of all, what these complicated relationships might look like and how you can navigate them now as an adult. Um, Our personal relationships with our mum, like I said, or our lack of have huge implications on who we are, how we relate and how we lead. So sometimes in one day, I can go from feeling like a full responsible adult, leading a church, leading a national college, um, leading a national youth movement, and then the next second, one phone call back home, and I can feel like a little kid again. So sometimes navigating that as an adult feels a bit like I'm walking a tightrope, and I'm trying to balance it all, but I could fail and fall at any moment. I'm not quite sure sometimes if I'm doing it right. I oscillate between being honoring and doing the right thing, and then having to put up boundaries for my own well-being's sake. Now, you might hear yourself in my story. You might be going, oh my gosh, yes, that's me. Uh, You might be nodding right now, feeling vulnerable, maybe feeling relieved that someone else has the same struggles that you do. And I hope that my story makes you feel a bit less alone. And if you don't have this story and you've got a great relationship, please know how blessed you are. But this is still a good podcast for you to listen to, to help you understand a lot of people out there. So I know that my growing up years and my complicated relationship um, has had a big effect on how I lead. So for example, I have zero tolerance for people manipulating me or putting unfair expectations on me just because I'm the pastor or, um, putting emotional baggage on me. If I get like a whiff of that, I feel really agitated and I withdraw and I put my walls up. Not that the other person would know, but that's how I feel on the inside. So it's really important for you to know, why you might feel or why you might react certain ways within your leading. Um, uh, and to, to when you understand that and you know where it comes from and you can acknowledge that, then you can put some safety nets around you. So I know for me, I don't want to be anyone's emotional lifeline because that's not my role. That's God's role. 
I'm not people's saviors, but because I was made to be an emotional lifeline as a kid, I get really agitated if I feel someone trying to put me in that position because I'm human and that's not my place, but I'm sensitive to it. So I came across a book about 20 years ago, and this book was so freeing for me, and I want to share parts of it with you today, but if you have a complicated relationship with your mum, I would highly recommend that you go onto Kindle or order yourself a copy. I read this 20 years ago. It changed my life, and then I lent it to someone and couldn't find it, Um, and so it used to be called The Mum Factor. And then it went out of print and I couldn't find it. But of course, now we've got Kindle and I saw not long ago that it's been reprinted and it's called Our Mothers Ourselves. So go and get yourself a copy if any of this is resonating with you, Our Mother Ourselves. And it's by two authors that you would probably know well, which is Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. Townsend. Now, they're the authors of really well-known books like Boundaries and Raising Great Kids. So it's really for anyone who has concerns or struggles surrounding their relationship with their mum, or even the mum of a spouse or a friend. I think it's good to read, though, even as a leader, because it will help you understand other people who have difficulty in their relationship. Um, It's for us who have experienced conflict, problems, who have had bad experiences, yet we love our mothers deeply. And so we have a hard time talking about or knowing what to do with this. But it's important to talk about it. It's important to acknowledge it because it affects who we are, how we lead, how we parent, how we relate to our spouse, how we relate to others. And it really helps us to understand what to do about how we were mothered. So this book, goes through the six mum types. And that's what I want to spend the rest of today just going through those. Now, each type has two chapters. One explains the problems of that mothering style or what that mothering style is, the problems of it, the needs that weren't met. And then the second chapter provides steps to meeting those needs and repairing what's broken. So I'm going to focus on how to meet those needs and repair what's broken next week. But today I just want to look at the types <clears throat> and what uh, what those mothering styles look like and the problems of them and the effect that they've had on us. All right, but you'll have to read the whole book yourself to get the full benefits. So I think the biggest takeaway for us is that we begin to understand what elements in mothering we missed and to know that it's actually our responsibility to grieve that, not to not to cast blame on the past, but to grieve that and then forgive so that we can start to heal. Because when we take responsibility, we can begin to make changes. All right. So let's look at the first one. Now, I'm obviously for time's sake, I'm going to gloss over these fairly quickly. So make sure you get the book if you want to read more. So the first one is the Phantom Mum. P-H-A-N-T-O-M, the phantom mum. So this mother was detached and absent and not emotionally available for whatever reason. Now, different variations of this could be that there was overt abuse, control issues that blocked connection between you, or perfectionistic demands that meant you couldn't be yourself, or abandonment, 
or mum going through something that took them away from you, either physically or emotionally, or a reactive mum where you couldn't share your true feelings in case you upset her. Now, as a child, it's our basic need to feel safe and nurtured, to be able to trust someone, to feel like we belong, and also for us to have someone to love as well as being loved. But these are all affected when we are parented by that phantom mum who's somehow detached and absent. Now, let's look at the effect that that has on us growing up. What happens, and this is not an exhaustive list, but we find ourselves often in adulthood in shallow relationships where people can't get below the surface with us. So we can become in our adult relationships aloof and standoffish. We perhaps withdraw. We are mistrusting of others. We can even become hostile or aggressive. Uh, And often we try and find another adult in our life to fill the void of what we missed. You know, like you hear people say, like a girl, she married, you know, she married someone like her father. She's trying to replace her father. Well, it's no different with with your mother. You try and find another adult relationship to fill that void. So you want someone else to be that nurturer of you now in your adult years. So you probably have become, if you grew up with a phantom mum, you've probably become autonomous and independent, just, you know, depending on yourself for safety and success but never learn to truly connect on a deep level with others, or you don't want to ask for help. So we remain disconnected in our adult relationships. So that's number one. Number two is the China doll mum. So number one, the phantom mum. Number two, the China doll mum. So with the China doll mum, she is often unable to deal with unpleasant or stressful situations in life. This mother has difficulties setting limits and controlling herself and her environment and is unprepared to handle the adult world. They're almost childlike themselves and they're especially unable to handle the mothering part of their life. And the China doll mum becomes as overwhelmed with her child's problems as she is with her own. She may catastrophize. She might withdraw if her child becomes cranky or scared. She might over-identify with the child, confusing her own fears and emotions with the child's. She can regress and become a child herself. She can smother and hover. Uh, she can shame the child for the for for ha- them having their feelings because she feels overwhelmed by them. So then she blames the child and shames the child. She can react in anger. Now, the issue with this kind of mother is it's a mother's job to help us learn to contain our feelings and emotions, not for her to become overwhelmed by our feelings and emotions, but to help us contain them by knowing what to do with them. Now, a healthy mother would soothe, validate, use perspective, confront us when needed and teach us to think through them. So let's have a look at the effect on us if we were raised by a China doll mum. And by the way, you might hear your mum in more than one of these. It's not like your mum's only going to be one type. You might see there's a blend of a few. But if you were raised by a China doll mum, you can often um, over caretake other people or jump to their rescue because you're trying to be what you never had. 
and you can enable friends who have problems. You could also, on the other hand, become aggressive or become critical of your own or other people's feelings. You might withdraw altogether or not trust feelings at all. Um, And often adults who are raised by China doll mums end up suffering with anxiety or depression in their adult years. Now, for us, we have to learn all of those things that I talked about needing before. We have to learn soothing, validating, structuring, thinking, and confronting all over again. All right, so that's the China doll mum. Number three is the controlling mum. So the controlling mum struggles to let the child have a life of their own, separate and distinct from her. So what happens, often the mother-child relationship becomes very close, probably almost like too, like codependent close. But then if the child pulls away, the mother can feel hurt and then can manipulate by maybe like, you know, in adult years, they might withdraw financial support or withdraw attention or encouragement or give the silent treatment. I got lots of silent treatment growing up. Um, now the controlling mum and child has often, um, a lot of struggles in adolescent years because they struggle to let go of their child in adolescent years. And either with this, the child either becomes broken or there's a battle between mother child until someone wins. So what's the effect of a controlling mum in our adult years is you'll either fight to have your own identity or you'll give in passively to not having one at all. So you kind of go to one of two extremes. You'll fight to have your own identity or you become passive. Some will ward off the increasing responsibility that growing up requires, seducing mum to do everything for you. Um, You grow up avoiding adult responsibilities. You might have an inability to say no. You could have control issues of your own. You might fear intimacy and commitment. Um, You might find that in your other relationships, you become codependent because you've not been allowed to have a full identity yourself. So you become codependent with other people in your life. You could find yourself disorganized because your mother's never disciplined you or invoked structure, Um, you know, because your mum always say cleaned up after you or organized you. You don't know delayed gratification because your controlling mum didn't discipline your poor choices and behaviors. And you could also be irresponsible because your mum always controlled situations by bailing you out. Okay, so that's the phantom mum, the china doll mum, the controlling mum, and now number four, the trophy mum. So this mum basks in the glow of her child's achievements since the child reflects on the mother. Or she'll find an audience and bask in the glow of her own achievements. So this is a mum that brags a lot about her child or about herself, whether that's appearance, activities, spirituality, um, high school success, uh, you know, the men who dated her. It's like they have to relive their life through their child and they often deny, withdraw from or condemn the child's failings. Now, what effect does this have on us in our adult years? Well, the adult children of trophy mums are often driven to keep their best foot forward in their relationships, and they work hard to keep the other person happy because they don't want to disappoint them. So maybe this is you. Maybe you are susceptible to um, 
In fact, this is probably an interesting one. Children of trophy mums are susceptible to developing narcissism because mum always ignored the bad or got angry with the bad and didn't limit the, the grandiose, but, you know, bragged instead. And we can then as adults become demanding and speak to seek to be the center of attention and, and the special person in all situations. We can be trapped in an endless cycle of needing to flatter, praise and bring out the good in other people because we're just imitating what, what our mum did. Uh, of course, we do it under the guise of being encouraging. We prevent others from the realities that they need to confront in order to grow. So perfectionism perfectionism often shows up in adult children of trophy mums because of the internal demand to be perfect and to be the best. And we often expect other people to celebrate us like our mum did, such as our boss at work. I think I know lots of pastors that maybe were raised by trophy mums. <laughs> they always want to be celebrated as the center of attention. Um, and we also can tend to hide failure, which is a really dangerous thing to do because then we're not um, made to confront our failure. All right, we're nearly there. Two more to go. All right, next one is the still the boss mum. I'm still the boss mum. So these mums, they're good people. All of these mums are good people, of course, but they're good people with good intentions, but they carry one message, which is this, no matter how old you get, I'll always be your mother and you'll always be my kid. My mum actually used to say that to me all the time when I was growing up. No matter how old you are, you're always going to be my kid. You're always going to be my baby. This mother's views constantly tower over your head. Their opinion has to be your opinion. Their worldview has to be your worldview. Um, And things go well as long as your views are the same. But they miss the part where the Bible says to raise a child in the way he should go, aka the way that God has designed for that child to go, not for the way that the mother has designed the child to go. So what effect can the still the boss mum have on us? Well, it can affect us by constantly making us feel inferior to others. Uh, We feel incapable of making competent adult decisions. So a still the boss mum often makes us feel constantly, even when we're an adult, like we're a child. Do you relate to that at all? Do you ever go into a room or you're in a situation and no matter how old you get, you still feel like the child? Think about how perhaps your mum raised you and if she was a still the boss mum. Or we can go the opposite and develop a superior role and we want to lead and control others the way our mother led and controlled us. Um, Or perhaps rebellion creeps in because we resented our mum's authoritarian style. So now we resist all types of rules and authorities and we struggle to be an adult in an adult world and we feel like the not quite adult. All right, the final one, and then we're going to finish up and do the rest next week, is obviously this book's American, The American Express Mum. Uh, Of course, you know that that's a credit card. So The American Express Mum is really similar to some of the other types of mums because it deals with this issue of the child becoming a separate and free person. But this particular mum is dealing with a particular time of separating which is the being separate and independent while still being under mum and then moving from that role into adulthood. So the American Express mum struggles to allow this process to happen. So they 
probably, you know, have been really good in your childhood years, but now as you're becoming an older teenager into your young adult years, they find it really hard to let you go and to help you step into becoming an adult. They want to keep treating you like a child. They refuse to step out the way and allow you to have your own experiences and relationships with the outside world. That becomes a threat to them. Uh, they act like a credit card. Always want They want to always be the source of supply, but then they also want to collect on the debt by retaining control. I know this one well. So what's the effect on us as an adult is we can often find ourselves irresponsible in a relationship, neglecting personal issues like finances, laundry, cooking, paying bills, because we've always had a mum that's done that for us. I know adults who are married, by the way, or adults who have moved out of home that will bring their laundry and that back, you know, to mum. Not a good idea. Don't do it, mums. Um, if we haven't separated from mum, we will often turn significant others into our lives, into mother figures, but then we will often abandon them. So this is where you see your lack of commitment in relationships, because that's the natural order. If we were to treat a person like our mother, well, we're not going to always stay with our mother. We always abandon. So that follows suit. We can often become so fused with mother that we can find no one else who measures up and we devalue everyone who comes along. We might have issues building an emotional support system away from our family. You might avoid an adult relationship with your mother altogether or have an argumentative relationship with her. But the biggest issue is the American Express mum's dependencies as you get older what happens is as you both get older, often she puts her complete dependency upon you. So we become their emotional retirement fund. And then she feels let down when we don't meet that need. And then we feel guilty. All right. So they are the six types of mums. So let me see if I can remember them. So it's the phantom mum, the china doll mum, the controlling mum, the trophy mum, the still the boss mum, and the American Express mum. So as I was reading through those, I have no doubt that you probably were like, oh my gosh, yes, that's how I feel as an adult, or oh my goodness, yes, that's what my mum was like, or that's what my mum is still like. So being able to identify the problem really helps us to move ahead with healing and move ahead with um, being able to find a solution. And it really helps us to identify relational patterns in us now so that then we can make a change. So that um, that's it for today. So I really encourage you to go and get the book, but make sure that you return and come back next week where I'm going to share with you um, a whole heap of different ways that you can deal with your mum now in your adult years. Um, I'd really appreciate it if you jumped on and subscribed and rated and liked the podcast and share it with your friends as well. And I look forward to being back on Monday with another parenthood episode. So until then, have a fabulous week. Bye. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast.